This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. This is Mike Smith filling in for Simi, calling all condo owners now. It's time to talk condos, including soaring insurance costs for condo owners and rising deductibles as well, which can really hit you in the wallet as well. That's one of the big stories for condo owners in 2020. Lots of other condo issues out there too. Got a great guest for you, Tony Joventu. He's the executive director of the Condominium Homeowners Association of BC. Hiya, Tony. Happy New Year, Mike. Happy New Year to you too. Thanks a lot for coming on. Let's talk about those insurance premiums, right? First of all, those are way up, right? Yeah, well, we kind of had an indication earlier last year this was going to happen. And then we started seeing the renewals in October to December, where the policy amounts were doubling, tripling, and in, even in some scary cases, quadrupling. Wow. So we were, yeah, so a high rise building that was paying, you know, 70 or 80,000 for their annual insurance suddenly got the renewals to discover that their insurance this year is costing them over 200000 So huge impact um, on the pocketbook. Why, why is that happening? I mean, what's the justification for these sharp increases? Well, if you look closely at the industry, what happens is everybody deals with an insurance broker. Um, right. And so these are the, you know, the, the people who go out and buy your insurance for you. Um, and so they go to the insurance market and we have insurance companies like Lloyd's of London and reinsurers who basically set the rates and the risks um, pretty much on a worldwide basis for insurance. So the brokers have discovered in the last year or two that the number of companies providing condo insurance in not only British Columbia, but Ontario and other large metropolitan areas have really reduced because the risks on claims have substantially increased. And so, you know, the problem Mm. is you live in a single family house. If your house floods, there's only one house affected. But if you're in a high rise unit and you're in the penthouse and you have a flood in your unit, chances are you might flood out five, ten, or more units, and then the damages compounded are just so much higher. Okay, and how that's does the, That's the struggle everybody's been dealing with. How does this hit individual unit owners? Does this result in increased fees? Yeah, well, the monthly strata fees in a lot of these buildings where there have been increases have probably gone up 30 or 40% just to cover wow. the cost of the insurance increase. But that's just the cost of the insurance. The other problem, though, as you mentioned earlier, is we've got suddenly this huge rise in deductible rates. So, you know, you had a flood in your unit, your bathtub overflowed or your washing machine or, you know, you were somehow responsible for it. Historically, you could rely maybe that your deductible for your building was 10 or even worse, $25,000. That was something that you could potentially reinsure for on your own homeowner policy. But the bigger problem is now that the deductibles, especially on buildings that are high risk uh, because they've had a lot of claims, they're old and they're not maintaining their buildings, or they're incredibly high value, the insurance companies are saying, okay, we'll insure you, but we're going to put your deductible at 100000 250000 or in Whoa. one case we've seen so far, half a million. Oh, my and God. You get, a, you get a flood, it could bankrupt you. 
Well, there's two problems to it. The first problem is you get a flood and suddenly your contingency reserve funds you've been saving for major repairs are going to be going to be paying these massive deductibles, which is just counterproductive. It, you know, it puts yeah. everybody way behind the eight ball wondering how they're going to pay their future bills. But the other problem is if, let's say, seven units are damaged and you have a $100,000 deductible, but the total amount of claims is below that deductible, then that's not an in claim on the strata insurance. And each owner is responsible for the damages to their own units. Right. And that's, wow. that's the other side of this, that, you know, individual owners as the consumer, you know, not only strata fees, but, hey, wait a minute, I might actually be paying for the damages to my unit, even though I didn't cause those damages. And wow, that's, that's, um, that's a, that's a big side. one. Where do you, what can you guys do about that? I mean, can you fight these insurance companies or shop around for better rates or government intervention? Oh, what can be done? You know what? Every everyone is shopping everywhere for the best yeah. rates possible. I think I think government intervention will look like some modifications to our insurance um, regulations under the Strata Property Act. Maybe maybe layering and dividing the liabilities up a little bit more between individual suites and the corporation. That might make this a little better. But, you know, no matter what wow. you do, it's a domino effect because you just simply pass the liability and the cost down onto somebody else's shoulders, right? So it, it, some- and it's, a, it's a free market industry, right? And that's the other problem we have with insurance. We don't, it's not yeah. the ICBC model where the government sets rates based on risk, based on profit. This is a worldwide free market, which, you know, when people buy and sell policies, it's no different than trading stocks, right. because at the end of the year, it's the profits that end up going to the shareholders. So same problem that we have. Speaking to Tony Joventu from the Condominium Homeowners Association of BC. Tony, you do a really good job, I think, standing up for condo owners and, and informing them. What are some of the more common kind of questions you get from condo owners about things like strata rules and fees and that kind of stuff? Well, it's the usual, can we rent our unit, our dog right. permits it, those kind of things. Those are the normal kind of lifestyle housekeeping things. Um, the other thing we've noticed there's a bit more of, and I think this is another symptom of the extremely high value of property. Um, the other thing we've noticed more of is we've seen buildings where there's um, a, an increased level of claims in the buildings because they have individuals living in the buildings who should not be living independently. And they're leaving the units and leaving bathtubs running or there are fires in kitchens. And, you know, we have two or three target buildings that we've been working with where they've had more than three claims each last year. And every one of them was purely the forgetfulness of an aging population. I hate to say it. And so, wow. you know, we're, we're starting to see some other issues that are starting to rise. But, you know, that the, the strata councils and the property managers are are really trying to deal with this. And the difficulty is... You know, nobody wants to um, to intervene and deal with these problems, but these are becoming very realistic problems with an aging population. What about those rules on rentals you mentioned? That's one of the key ones people wonder about. I mean, are, are those rules, if you can rent out a condo, is that set by individual stratas and individual buildings? Yeah, each building, uh, pre-2010, each building could set... Um, a limit on the number or the percentage of rentals or even prohibit them outright. 
Um, and it's interesting because that's been a real debate as to whether those types of buildings were causing um, accessibility problems or rental availability problems. And it turns out that those buildings have the highest occupancy rates, um, mainly because people can't rent them, they live in them. And so we're seeing occupancy rates in those buildings that are in a, that exceed 97%. Um, whereas buildings post-2010, owner developers adopted rental exemptions under a rental disclosure. Very few, if any of those buildings, have any rental bylaws. And those buildings have the highest vacancy rates, as high as 35 or 40%. A lot of it has to do with just investment, um, just investment holding buildings. Uh, and so that's, that's where we have some of our more challenging vacancy problems for housing. Meredith in Vancouver, hi. Hey, <clears throat> happy new year. Same to you. Um, this is interesting. Insurance has changed for stratas. Um, it used to be, uh, for my building anyways, that anything within my drywall and into my suite is what I would be responsible for. But now, common um, anything that is, isn't a common pipe and it goes directly to uh, someone's unit, they have to cover repairing that. So the fellow above me had a toilet flange, I believe they call it, leak and it's definitely his pipe so he's going to be responsible for the repairs to his pipe and that but unfortunately it leaked onto my ceiling mm. so I'm wondering I, I, I was ill and I, I don't have insurance but um, that's all right because it, <clears throat> it all works out in the how end. Much, how much damage was done to your place? I haven't had an estimate because the property managers keep saying he'll fix it and they can't get a hold of him. But oh. I would say I would say maybe twelve hundred bucks. Right? Oh, okay. Tony, can she get any money from that other owner? Uh, possibly, if the owner um, had neglected this. But if it's just a toilet tank, a toilet seal, is it the seal of the toilet or the tank itself? Oh no, no, it's um, the seal. No, it's not the seal. It's below that, in between the. Underneath the, his floor is like a a, a toilet. Does that make flange. a di- Does that make a difference? Yeah, it does yes. because I, I'm not sure who's given you information, but we'd have to look at your strata plan and your bylaws. But I'm going to hazard a guess that it's a pretty good chance that's common property, and that was the strata's no. responsibility to repair that. That that has okay. not changed. No, Those no, no. That's, I know that's not true because the same thing happened to me before. There was a pipe mm. that was a common pipe. And then they paid for mine, but okay. even the plumber—it's—it's it's definitely his pipe. It goes from his toilet to the common pipe. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, so that—that's very possibly common property. I—we want to look at that closely, but I would—I okay. would say it's ninety-nine percent sure. But yeah, can you get your cost back from an owner? Possibly, but this is a maintenance issue more than anything. So it's unlikely you would be able to do that. Okay, Meredith, thank thank you for the call. Good luck with it, Paul and Burnaby. Hi. I have a question about, uh, I'm in a strata of building townhouses that, uh, uh, it's building 30 years old and the strata, the council's looking into, uh, replacing the aluminum frame windows with vinyl framed windows. But the thing is, I don't think we'll ever recover the energy savings. And is it really worth it? Hmm. And, uh, I guess, you know, the government's pushing all these, you know, replace your windows, these rebates, but those windows with the rebates are really expensive. So, so you're wondering, do you have to go along with it on your unit? You mean? Well, I know you have to go along with it if they vote, yeah. if they vote it in. But the thing is, yeah, your place's windows 
what if you don't save enough energy to ever repay the cost of what, Tony. what your share was? Tony. Yeah, no, it's a great question, and I would I would bet that you would probably not ever save enough energy to recover the cost, but that's not the real problem. Aluminum windows were great when they were installed, but the difficulty with them is that they contribute to a lot of condensation within the units because the seals on the frames are not broken. But the other oh, problem okay. is the, the miter joints um, on aluminum windows after a certain age will all fail, and they're going to be a direct cause to water getting into all your wall systems. So getting, okay. your, getting, your, getting your windows upgraded to vinyl or fiberglass windows um, has a lot of other okay. benefits that are really well worth it. Let's go to Ursula in Burnaby. Hi. Hello. Hi there. I have a question about renovation. We would like to do a bathroom renovation. And the Strata has an alternation agreement that we have to sign. But they also want to know the name of the contractors. My question mm. is, are we allowed to do anything on our own without the contractors? Okay. Tony? So when you live in a strata building, the principal rule is your home is not your castle. So mm. anything that you're doing with respect to fixtures, um, removing any or changing any wall assemblies, anything to do with piping or electrical, you need, you, you, A, you need to get the written approval of your strata. They can set whatever reasonable conditions, and that would include your contractors. They may also request before they give you permission a copy of your liability insurance for your contractors, and this is something your insurance company may ask for. Um, uh, alter, you know, upgrading uh, bathrooms and kitchens is a great project in buildings, but it oftentimes results in unforeseen circumstances like changes in acoustics, which result in noise to other units um, or changes in plumbing if they're not if it's not done correctly which results in backups to other units so um, you know you're going to want to make sure that all of your trades are certified your strata council is approved and you need to check to see the scope of work with the city to see if you need any what if, for any what if she wants what you know what if she's real handy and she wants to like do a do-it-yourself project is that allowed typically no because the same oh. conditions are going to apply and okay. so they, you know, so do-it-yourself projects we've discovered in most strata buildings are all the, the best recipe for a disaster in most cases. Okay, we're running out of time. Jiki in North Van, hi. Jiki. Guess he's not there. How about Reg in Maple Ridge? Hi there. Hi, Reg, you got a minute left. Go ahead. Yeah, okay, quickly, a uh, uh, question for Tony. Tony, uh, I live in a condominium project, and I'm wondering if there's anything in the Strata Property Act that doesn't permit owners to exchange parking spots. Uh, every Strata, when it comes to parking and storage lockers, is created differently. So we would have to look at your bylaws, your Strata plan, um, any of the developer documents, and see how those designations were created, and then give you an answer. And problem is, we have 32,000 strata corporations in BC. No two of them are the same. Reg, thank you for the call. Uh, Tony, thanks a lot for coming on. Have you got a website people can check out if they're looking for more info? Yeah, so it's www.choa.bc.ca, and we have two community forums in the Lower Mainland on insurance in February. If people want to sign up for those, those are free of charge, and they can probably get a lot of insurance value out of that. Okay, great. Tony, thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot, Mike.